Father, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you as I teach on the anointing tonight. That it will be manifested in this place. That the thickness, the weightiness, the smearing of who you are. The glory of who you are. The manifested presence. The physical presence of you, Lord, will be in this place tonight. The touch of God. The finger of God is the anointing, the mark of God upon each of our life. Father, as I begin to teach on the anointing, I pray that it would fill the place. I pray that it would touch every single person in here. Mark them for eternity. They would walk out and never be the same. Everywhere Jesus went and touched them with the anointing, the people followed him. The people were healed. The people walked in a blessing. The people uh, were flooded to Jesus. And it wasn't just because of Jesus. It was because of the anointing that was on him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every now and then, it's good to change how we do service up. We get too bored on the same thing over and over. And I wanted to teach on the anointing. Uh, <laughs> whew, I already feel it getting thick. <laughs> I'll be careful praying certain prayers before I start. I've heard stories when you get drunk before you even start, and everybody ends up falling out <laughs> under the power and the anointing. <laughs> Rodney Howard Brown told a story where he got so drunk in a morning service under the anointing that everybody in the building got drunk for hours, and he was trying to sober up, so he drank a whole pot of coffee. I keep saying that. Whole pot of coffee and tried to sober up so he could teach for the night service because every time he preached, it was just tongues that were coming out. But I want to I talk about, I put a little subtitle called to duplicate yourself. The whole point of Jesus coming was that you would be like him. The Bible says that Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to read a few scriptures about who Jesus was. Let me look at my notes. He said, um, John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, Ye shall also do in greater works than these ye shall do because I go unto my Father. So Jesus says that you believe on me. He says what I did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, you are going to do the same works. So say, I, I do the works of Jesus. I am anointed. He's anointed me to do his work in the earth in Jesus' name. He also says, um, Christ in me, the hope of glory. He also said in Mark 16, 17, go into all the world, preach the good news, and signs would follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils, they'll raise the dead, they'll heal the sick, they'll cleanse the leopards, and they'll proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. So Jesus is commissioning us to go in his name, and I'm, there's another, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. I'm just kind of going through these quick. You can just write them down. God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love, he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up to sit with Jesus in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, we've been saved, not of ourselves. So there's many scriptures in the Bible. You can get into a Colossians 1.24. He talks about um, basically the mystery was given to him to preach, proclaim the gospel among the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus' whole purpose of coming was he's the prototype of a new man. He's laid his deity aside, stripped himself of all power, 
came to earth, born of a virgin, became a man, and then showed us how to do the, exactly what he did. It wasn't like he showed up to earth with all power. No, Jesus had to study the word. He had to spend time in the word. He had to find out who he was. And then at the age of uh, 30, he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and it starts in uh, Luke chapter 4, where after that, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon him, and then that's when the work's going to begin. But all of the Gospels are is a photograph, not the x-ray, the New Testament, the Acts and on as an x-ray of what God did in you, but the photograph is what Jesus did to show you how, what we could do, right? And so as you more you study the Gospels, the more revelation, the more, you don't actually have to sit there and memorize all the Gospels because what happens is when you're reading the word, it's burning into your spirit. Your spirit is alive unto God. That's why it says that my bread is the bread from the Father, that you show, you're not gonna live by bread, but you eat my bread uh, then that's where you get your food from. And that's what, when you study the word of God, it's actually burning into your spirit, not just trying to memorize it like so you can help people, right? But I want to get into um, Luke chapter four. And I want to talk about that our job is to duplicate ourselves in people. And I want you to think tonight about people in your life that God is going to start leading people. I honestly didn't really believe a lot of this until it started happening to me to where there is levels salvation is free but the anointing is not free you're going to pay a price for the anointing jesus paid a price being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days then he returned in power right so there was even a price that jesus paid for the anointing but the reason that jesus got the anointing wasn't so that he could be awesome and cool it was so that he would change people's lives and that he's going to take 12 men, and then he's going to take 72 men, and he's going to take a multitude, and he's going, to, he's going to duplicate himself into them to go do the work. And what I would like to see in all of us is that we would become, we would be duplicating ourselves and people around us, constantly feeding the word. But the more you study the anointing, um, and I, I will get into more of what the anointing is, but it's basically the anointing is the presence of God, it's a touch from God, it's the smear of God, it's the mark, the finger of God on a man's life, like Elisha and Elijah, where God is touching somebody, but everybody is anointed because of Jesus. So let's read this, Luke chapter 4. Uh, I have it in the Amplified. Um, for Then Jesus, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit... For during the 40 days in the wilderness desert where he was tempted, tried, tested exceedingly by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when, he, when they were completed, he was hungry. Then the devil said to him, I'm not going to get into all that. I'm going to jump down to verse um, 16. No, let's go to verse 14. Jesus went back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee and the fame of him spread through the whole region roundabout. Now, Jesus hadn't even started, from what I, we understand, hadn't even started doing miracles yet. He himself conducted a course of teaching in their synagogues, being recognized and honored and praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up and entered the synagogue, and it was his custom on the Sabbath day he stood up to read. And when he was handed to him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah, he opened it, unrolled the book, and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord, say this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, 
to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. And the next verse, to proclaim, proclaim the acceptable, accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. So I, don't, I didn't know I was going to say all that, but it's, the amplified is very amplified. But he said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. God has touched me. God has smeared his presence. God has put himself all over me. God is manifested. Now, God is omnipresent, but God is not manifested everywhere. But what he's saying is now the manifested presence of God now is upon me. The weightiness of God, the touch of God, the cloud of God is upon me and it's following me. But we know the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because Jesus now is in us. Jesus, there, and you can, the more you study, I heard Keith Moore say when you study the anointing, it'll activate it. When you talk about the anointing, it'll activate it. When you sing about the anointing, it'll activate it. So all the things that I've watched ministers do, it's because that's how they activate the anointing in their services. They produce an expectancy. I love Rodney Howard Brown, how he'll play videos of him preaching on the anointing before he even gets up. And it just, just repeats him preaching. And then they'll sing songs about the anointing. By the time he gets up, the anointing starts falling and people think it's fake. No, he was building an atmosphere for what the Holy Ghost wanted to do that night. And so when you honor the anointing, when you're talking about the anointing, when you treat it as something special, that's something that's precious from heaven, from Jesus, it activates in your life. The manifested presence starts showing up when you're thinking about the anointing. So when I go places now, I think about that I'm carrying the anointing of the Holy Spirit with me. He hath anointed me, the Spirit of the Lord. He's upon me as I walk into the gym today. The Spirit of the Lord is touching people. He's healing people. He's setting the captives free today. I'm smearing God all over this gym or wherever I go. Every piece of equipment, the manifested presence of God is beginning to touch people as I talk to them in Jesus' name. So that's my new prayer because I'm always uh, talking to the Holy Spirit about prayer, praying because what I'm seeing now is I think that God's starting to shift towards the lost big time. And in order to win the lost, you're going to have to have, if you're in the army, you need to have, be equipped with how to fight a battle. And when you can't talk to people, if you don't even know Jesus, you don't even know anything about the Bible, you don't barely read the Bible. And what I'm realizing with a lot of Christians is that they maybe read one devotional in the morning while they're, they're coffee and they're jetting off to work. I'm guilty of that as well. But, but it really takes like five minutes to read a chapter, less. I mean, if you want to like really read it slow, it takes like five minutes. And I've timed myself doing it. It doesn't take long. Within uh, Sunday, I came in er a little bit early and I think I read like five chapters and just within 10, 15 minutes, just sit in my office, just, you know, waiting for the band and everything. Dad was preaching. So just getting to church a little bit early, I'm like, you know, you could actually read the Bible and learn about the Gospels because that's where the, that's where the miracles happen. That's where the people were following Jesus. And so 
the reason that God's anointing Jesus is because of the work that he's about to do. You're like pastor says, God's not handing or the army's not handing you a gun just so you could just you know, hold it around and look pretty with it. You're going to use that weapon. And so God is the anointing is something to be used, what, for his glory and to win the lost, to help people, to set people, the captives free, uh, the blind to see, the people to be healed by the power of God. And so uh, people that are oppressed people that need a release from the captives and recovery in life. And so I want to start thinking about God will not send people to you until you're really expecting people to come your way. And you're wanting to, to disciple people and you're wanting to uh, use what God has given you to touch people's lives so that they can become like you. Could you duplicate yourself with somebody you know? Would you want to duplicate yourself? Some of y'all, I don't know if I want another one of you around here. Oh my God, glory to God. No, I'm just kidding. But really, do you know enough to duplicate yourself? What do you have can you give to somebody because the oil will not keep pouring if you're not giving it out? If you're holding on to it and it's just for you and you're just eating the word and eating the word and you're never sowing into people, the oil will stop right there. There will be no flow. You will have no more anointing than you, than you already have because Jesus says if you've been faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. And so if God's giving you, a, even though, like, well, I don't know much. Well, whatever you do know, can you encourage somebody? When somebody calls you, can you tell them that God loves them, that their life's changing, that God's working in them? Can I pray with you? It doesn't take much because what happens is you start using what you have, God will increase it, and, and you'll have more and more and more. But the problem is, is that if you, the man with the talent that shoved it in the ground, God said, you wicked, lazy, unfaithful servant. He said, at least you should have put it in the bank. I mean, at least... Pray with somebody. I don't know. Do something small. That's maybe not a lot. Just give something to somebody and say, Jesus loves you. You know, you're like, I'm not, I may not evangelize, but at least do something even no matter how small it is that could be a return that you're an encouraging word to somebody. But really, the, pow, the, mess, the power is in the message of the gospel, that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them. Can you share the gospel with people? Can you tell them that sin had entered the world, that all men were dead and separated because of Adam from God for eternity, and that Jesus was the one who lived a perfect life, died on the cross so that they could accept him as Lord? He doesn't have to be long and hard. Just make it super easy. We were in sin. Jesus died on the cross, paid our debt. We've put mixed faith and believe in Jesus. Confess him. Romans 10, boom, you're born again. Can you explain the gospel to people? Can you disciple people? The reason I believe people can't is they don't spend a lot of time in this. And it doesn't really take that long. It's just that we're so busy and busy, 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 but really it doesn't produce anything when you get to the end of your life. Work is a great tool. Money being made is a great tool. But if your whole focus is not the kingdom of God and winning souls and helping people, you're wasting your time. What's the point of gaining the whole world and yet your own souls, you're, you're losing your, who you are, your soul, and so, to me, people are what's important, uh, what's important, important. People, what's important to God. <laughs> so important. It sounds like one of the Bugs Bunny characters. And that's what makes God rich, is souls, is people. And are we ready to disciple and start? But the only way we can do it is pouring the anointing into people, pouring into people to where we could duplicate ourselves. I want to show you something. Um, let's go to verse 36 and number four, on Luke chapter four. I really went back to the gospels and I just started reading the basics of the gospels of what Jesus did. Because I'm seeing something that there's a lot of power lacking in, the gospel, in, in today's church. There's a lot of head knowledge, there's a lot of teaching, 
but we're not seeing the masses flock. Me and Mosel were talking about this. I don't see my generation at large. I see certain people like Jonathan Shuttlesworth preaching and my generation coming, but my generation is not, if, if this is the last generation, we're in big time trouble, especially with everything going on. And so Jesus was 30 years old when all this started to happen. So it can happen with young people, and it needs to happen because this next generation needs to come into the body of Christ. They need, we, the gospel has to keep getting pushed out. And this generation, I guarantee you, unless they see something real in power, they're not even coming in. They're tired of religion. They're tired of showing up to church, hearing a couple songs, hearing a great message, going and getting some Taco Bell and going home or paninis. So check this out. After the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to preach the gospel, 38, he arose from the synagogue into Simon's house, and Simon's wife, mother, was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. They made a request probably because they've known that he's healing people. So he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her, and what? Immediately she rose and served them. So this is, you're going to start Jesus the, under the anointing, the power of the anointing, he's going to start healing people. When sun was setting, those who had any sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them. That's a good place to highlight. Every one of them, and he did what? He healed them. He didn't turn somebody away. He didn't say, come back tomorrow. Maybe God's will, maybe not God's will. We'll see what happens. Demons also came out of many crying out, saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuked them, and do not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. When day was parted, he went into the desert place, and the crowd sought him, came to him, and tried to keep him from leaving. Man, that's amazing. What, where, what are we doing wrong here? But, they, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Galilee. So Jesus is saying, number one, you see this under the anointing, mass crowds are just beating his door down trying to get around him. And uh, I feel like we need to have more people to where the anointing is on them to where they can't get people to stop, to, to go away. So it's an, the anointing attracts the masses. The anointing is going to attract this next generation. It's not going to be by, like, you know, like my dad always jokes, skinny jeans and smoking lights. It's going to be by a real tangible God that loves them, that's going to touch them, that wants their lives to be changed. And so what I believe the key to it is studying the life of Jesus, getting it in your spirit, getting to the point where faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, that you're reading this so much that you're seeing yourself, this is me. In the name of Jesus, everywhere I go, people are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Jesus spent 70% of his ministry casting out devils and healing the sick and preaching the gospel. We should take note of that. That that's what was the, the power of what Jesus was doing was the multitudes wanted to be healed. People wanted their sins forgiven. He says, your, your sins are forgiven, go your way. And the Pharisees said, this man can forgive sins. That's what Jesus is saying to people. Jesus died for you. Your sins are forgiven. You can tell people that now. Why? Because Jesus has risen again. He's died and paid for every sin. It's just he's waiting on them to what? To receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And a lot of people are under condemnation. They're under guilt. And I think those are things that we need to know. So he says, I must go preach the kingdom of God to other cities. Preach just means to proclaim or to tell. And that we're all ambassadors of Christ. You, we should all be able to preach and teach the gospel to somebody. And it's not that you're a full-time, five-fold preacher, but you are 
a preacher or a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. You should be able to do it. That's what the purpose of the disciples were. They weren't just like special people. It was just that he was picking people who wanted to follow him, that wanted to do what he was doing. And so uh, let's chapter five. It was that the multitude pressed about him to hear the word. Wow. Okay, that's another area we need to work on. We don't have the multitude pressing in here right now to hear the word. Why is that? What are we missing? And I've been asking the Lord, show me Luke chapter 5. Teach me how this works. How is Jesus so powerful under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? People would beat the doors down in here, and they'd have to rip a roof off to get a guy in here to heal somebody. Where is the modern church missing it? It might be they're missing the anointing. They don't know about it. It's not talked about. It's not preached about. And I bought a book by Dr. Rodney. I've, I've never really found any books on the anointing except for this one when I was at his church. And I'm telling you, every page of this book, I've been eating it up because it is so good. And, and I want this to be real in my life. So 5 verse 1, the multitude pressed about to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of, it's basically Sea of Galilee. Uh, I'm going to translate it for you. He saw two boats standing by the lake. The fisherman had gone from them and was washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the lamb. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch, because this is the Amplified Translation. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. And we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish that their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners and the other boats come to help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. Simon Peter saw it, fell down at Jesus' feet. Depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. And all who were with him were astonished. So Jesus was not hiding what he was doing. At the catch of fish which was taken. And so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought back their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. Now, we're not going to stop here. We're going to read through the whole chapter five, because this is Wednesday night Bible study night. And I guarantee you, I'm wondering if any of you even read one chapter this week. So we're going to do it tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Not trying to call anybody out. I'm just saying. Got to get some word in you. So one thing we're noticing here is this. Jesus comes out from under the anointing. Multitudes are flocking to him. He's healing people. Then he gets in Peter's boat, which he knew Peter probably. And Peter, just using what he has, lets Jesus borrow the boat. They launch out from the shore and Jesus teaches a message. Then Jesus does a demonstration. He's not hiding it. The multitudes are all watching. The, dis the disciples are watching. They go out, and in front of everybody, he says, let down your net. And then the disciples, Peter, starts arguing with them. Lord, I've been fishing. Lord, I know what I'm doing. We've been already been doing this all day. Now you want me to do this again? Nevertheless, it's your word, because obviously there's something going on with you, and there's something supernatural happening, and there's a bunch of people following you, so something's working. I'm going to put the net down and see what happens. The net, or nets, some, I know they say... People say they, he told them to do net, and it says nets. But if you read other translations, it says Jesus said nets, and then they put nets down. So let's say that's true. They threw nets out. So the Amplified, I believe, says nets. They pull the nets up, and the, it's so heavy that it's breaking the nets. Then they, sing, they signal to their business partners. They come over and start putting, pulling fish in. 
breaking their nets. They throw it in the boats. The Bible says that the boats did what? They began to sink. Now, when you have you and all your business partners start to sink because one man walks on the scene and says one word, you know the anointing is working. Why, why are we not doing that? Why are we not walking in the businesses? Why are we not going about our day and saying, in the name of Jesus, this is what's happening today, and boom. Because that's the whole point is Jesus is showing us what we're supposed to be doing. So recently, we had um, just, I mean, you know, Bobby, the house fire, you know, and he's looking for an RV and a place to live. And then Matt, got, a friend of mine, got his car taken and his kids. And so we need to believe in God for a car. And just all this stuff is happening. And I thought, Lord, where is Luke chapter 5? How do I activate this? Why is this not happening? Why does it seem like every time we turn around just to help somebody with their basic needs, it's a struggle? We got to call a bunch of people. We need help. We, got, we need financing. You got one man, Jesus, says one word, and everybody is having net breaking, boat sinking increase to the point so much they leave their business and they follow him. They're, I'm like Zach, it's Zach, Zach meeting somebody and saying, I am completely out of selling food tonight. I am following this man wherever he goes from this point. That's how amazed and astonished the people were. Why are we not seeing that? What is it going to take to the point where people walk up to us and go, I don't know who you are, but wherever you're going, I am following you around. I am quit, I'm going to quit work today, and I'm going to follow you. That, and this is what's happening. But this is what Jesus has shown us that we're to be doing. So if we keep going, no, verse 12, he's not done. They brought, they, so um, that's like somebody who says that they brought their boats to the land. They forsook them all and followed them. That's like my brother-in-law taking his whole car lot and throwing it to the side and saying, I'm following Jesus. Whatever just happened, this guy's multiplying stuff. I'm not, this is way better than what I'm doing right now. That's what I believe that God wants to start seeing with this last day's harvest of the anointing. What is it going to take for people to start coming to God in the masses and the droves? And Jesus is not scared to show people, but he's wanting us to do the work. Jesus said what? He says, greater work that you'll do because I'm going under my father. And so that we're supposed to be doing these. We're supposed to be believing God for these things. Remember Jairus? He said, do not fear, only believe. Many people came to Jesus. He said, do you believe I can do this? Yes, I can believe. He said, it'll be according to your faith. So I think the reason we don't believe is we're not meditating on these things. We're not reading them with the idea of us in mind to, uh, to be doing these. My uh, past few days, I'm starting, to, I've been waking up and reading the same chapter every morning because I want to be Luke chapter 5, where I walk into somewhere, say one word, and the whole thing changes. Bobby just lost this and that. This is what's going to happen in Jesus' name, and this is what's coming. Boom. Next thing you know, he has a place, he has a thing. Why are these things not, why is the supernatural not moving like it did? In, Jesus was, did not have any kind of shortage. Just read the book of Luke. You will see no shortage of miracles with Jesus. So let's keep going. Chapter 12, it happened. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. Certain city, behold, a man was full of leprosy, saw Jesus, fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. So that's you. Somebody needs healing, you should be able to pray with them, and you should be able to see immediate results. Amen. Why? Because this is, this is our, our, menu, our instructions, what Jesus said. We shouldn't have any kind of lack of power. The reason we don't believe is we don't really meditate, and then we don't do it. We don't do, and I, we'll get into that. 
So, however, the report went around, so now word is spreading. So the anointing should cause the word to spread about what God's doing, the glory of God, what's happening in your life. We shouldn't have any shortage of people coming to this church. We should have the word spreading about Word of Life Church, but you know what? Maybe that's on us. Maybe we're not pressing in to like Jesus, the prayers on the mountain, pressing in. It says he would pray all night with God, talking to the Father. There's some keys, I believe, in these books that we're not studying and meditating on, and we're not seeing it because it's just too much of we're just, after a while, you know, you, you do the same thing every week, and we teach a little bit, and it's, we're not really, like Annie said, we're not expecting much to happen. But I started raising my expectancy level to what I can expect, which is here. We say we expect the word of God. Well, tonight we're going through it verse by verse. So this is Bible school, Luke chapter 5. So happened as a certain man, as he was teaching, there are Pharisees and teachers sitting down and come to every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Man, now he's really bringing in the crowds. The power of the Lord was what? Present to heal them. When you wake up in the morning and you go out, the power of the Lord is what? Present to heal people. When you're tired and you need a cup of coffee at 2 o'clock, the power of the Lord is still present to heal your coworkers. When it's 10 o'clock at night and your neighbor comes over and knocks on the door and you're in your PJs and you're half asleep, the power of the Lord is still what? Present to heal them. It's not based on you. It's not based on me. It's the power of the Lord. Not your power. You don't have to jump and dance and shout and get into praise and worship for 15 minutes and then go pray for them. It just says... He just went out, and the power of the Lord was just present. Boom. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, the power of the Lord is present to heal people because this is you. This isn't here just so we can read and say, oh, yay, Jesus is so amazing. Praise God when we get to heaven. Let's get out of this God-forsaken hellhole. Let Hamas and people blow themselves up. Let's go. No, the reason you're here is to do the works of Jesus. There's many people, there's multitudes still needing to be touched by the power of God. And who's God going to do it? Through you, and you, and Zach, and you're going to touch people. So the power of the Lord is what? Present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a, a bed of a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought bring and lay before him. They could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the housetop. Think every time you read Jesus, there's a crowd just following him around. So we need to step it up a little bit. They went up on the housetop and let him down in his bed through the tilling of the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are, are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason and say, who is this that he speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's because he is God and they didn't get it. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has the power on earth. He's telling them right there, I'm God to forgive sins, and then he does what? Said to the man who was in front of the, the crowd. I mean, so are we confident enough yet that there's a whole multitude? And you get up and you say, let's see, what are you going to say what Jesus said? I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. And it says what? Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were what? All amazed, they glorified God, they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Listen, if people are not leaving you and saying, I heard and seen strange things, we are not doing the works of Jesus yet. I'm ready to start hearing reports that 
Somebody left a business meeting with Zach and heard and saw him do strange things. <laughs> Prayed for a guy. He got healed, went to the next business meeting. Amen. But this is what Jesus is saying that you and I are supposed to be doing. And the more we meditate, the more we just masticate this word, the more we get this imprinted onto our spirit, the more we'll see this happen. Because what? You're eating spiritual food. You're eating the bread from heaven. You're, you're drinking from Jesus' presence. He says, what out of your belly flows, flows uh, rivers of living water. And so they're living. What does the Bible say? That the word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, even the piercing of the division of soul and spirit, thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when you're reading this and you're going through this in your study time, that word of God is powerful and it's flowing into you. Why? Because you're reading it. You're like, okay, well, I'm not there yet. Okay, Luke chapter five again today. Next day, I'm still scared to pray for people. Luke chapter five again today. I'm still scared to pray for people. Let's read Luke chapter five again. And to the point you read it so much, you're like, I can do this. This is easy. It's like a job. Once you start, you're nervous. You don't know what you're doing. You get on the excavator. You're kind of, the controls are a little, you know, I'm swinging it around. I'm smacking trees with it. I'm not digging all kind of holes that I can't put back. But after a while, you kind of start to get it. So it's the same thing with God. The more you start stepping out, and doing what Jesus did, the more you're going to see the works of him actually happening. But you got to have a step of faith. Yeah. Let's see. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in him the tax office. And he said, said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. I always thought that it was just he just got up. But no, he was probably in the multitude watching what Jesus was doing. And Jesus is perceiving that this man is hungry. I always thought the Bible's a little strange. People just did like random things at random moments. No, if you read it in context, the whole from four, five, and six, you kind of see the thing that's playing out here. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. The Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. Scribes and Pharisees complained against the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, meeting with people, eating with people, talking about Jesus, that's doing the works of Jesus. Jesus spent time with people. Jesus, Jesus, his concern was people. It wasn't all just work, work, work. There was times that he stopped and they went and had dinner and he invited people to the dinner and to the feast and ministered to them. And so, you remember even Philip, he was preaching to the mass crusade, and then the next few verses over, Philip went and found one Ethiopian eunuch and explained the gospel to him. So there are times that you may get to preach to, to talk to big, large at work, at uh, whatever that you do, or you may just be one-on-one. -on -one. You're still doing the works of Jesus. You'll see this many times in the gospels that Jesus will be with the multitudes, and then he'll pull somebody off to the side. And then he'll be with the multitudes, and then he'll talk to somebody individually. I still believe that talking to people individually, like this is like the multitudes, but then there's days I've talked to a lot of people individually. You're still doing the works of Jesus. You're still ministering to people. Why? Because healing comes through the preaching and the proclaiming of the gospel. It's not just lay your hands on everybody and be healed, but many times Jesus is going through and he's teaching them. It says what he would teach the kingdom of God, and then he would heal. He would teach, and then he would, the power was present to heal. Once he was getting their faith, and off all of whatever that they came from, onto God, and that God's forgiving them, that he's ready to heal them, the people got healed. So I don't always jump right into, especially when I'm talking with people about, I do pray with people, but then a lot of times, especially at the gym, I'll see the same person 
day after day. And then I'm going, okay, maybe their healing is a little bit more than just laying hands. And Jesus did just lay hands on people. But he also spent a lot of time teaching people the word of God. So I'll notice that I'll spend a lot of time with one person month after month talking about healing, talking about salvation, and teaching them, doing the works of Jesus to the point where faith is getting built up in them to where they're able to position themselves to receive from God. And so um, let's see. I want to, let's see, I think I'll go to... um, 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. So this is kind of painting a picture for you guys of kind of what to start expecting. I've been waking up just expecting God to just move more like he did in the Gospels because that's what I've been reading lately. And I want to start seeing, I want to start seeing the financial provision break forth for people that need it almost immediately and things supernaturally just happen. And so it happened, uh, we have the Bible that tells us we can believe for it, right? It's not like we're asking for anything outside of what Jesus already did. But I don't think we're really sitting through enough and sometimes going back through the Gospels and rereading what the things that Jesus did. Let's see, 19, uh, 19, 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing the 12 yoke of oxen before him. And when with the twelfth, and when Elijah passed by him, he threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered it, and boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate and arose, and he followed Elijah and became his servant. I believe that we need to find people in our lives that at least one person that we can start discipling to be just who we are. And it's not that God, God had called Elisha. That's why he said, what am I have to do with you? He knew, he, he knew who Elijah was. If you read Elijah's story, everybody knew who Elijah was. He was so hated that Jezebel was trying to kill him. Everybody knew who Elijah was. He killed the 400 prophets of Baal, slaughtered him, and outran the king's chariot. People knew who Elijah was. So when Elisha got this, he, he knew exactly what was happening. So he had, a, he had already known the things that he was doing, but do people know what you're doing? Do, can friends follow you? Can friends go, I love their faith. I want to follow them. I love what they're doing. Man, they're so full of the word of God. They're so passionate. You know, I, can, I want to tell you a little bit. Um, in the last, so today, everywhere I go, I'm talking to somebody, and I'm not even trying to anymore. But what it is a result of is that you cannot spend time with, in the presence of the Father and come out of his presence not smelling like him, thinking like him, acting like him, and talking like him. Because everything out of your mouth is going to be what? Jesus says, I only say what I hear my Father say. So today, and I was kind of making a note of people just in the last few days. Now, I'm believing God for more because I'm not seeing what I want to see yet with people. And I'm not trying to tell you this is what you're going to be overnight, because I, even me, I'm not where I want to be. I want to see more people changed. But I have started and I've left, and I am pushing for greater. But today, I went to the gym this morning, and I ran in there and I met a kid named Jacob. He was in a motorcycle accident, so he's got all his gear on, but he's working out. Well, Jacob's one of the guys that I keep going in, and I don't care. I, we don't even have this. I have his phone number. We never text each other. I'm, he's always in there at the same time. I don't care what time I go. He's always there. So him, we got talking, we talk about Jesus every time. He was an atheist, 
He got born again recently, and he, now he's receiving. But he goes to a church, a good Baptist church. But today I explained to him that healing is a lesser thing if Jesus had already paid for sickness and disease on Isaiah 53. If you got salvation, he said, if, I, I sent him a scripture, if Jesus gave you his best gift in the book of John, why wouldn't he freely give you all things? So Jesus was the most powerful thing. Why is your healing too hard for God? He goes, I never thought about it like that. So we sat there for 15 minutes and we talked about healing. I said, your healing is a result of your spirit, your spirit man. If he's being fed, what you're feeding on, are you feeding on healing or are you just waiting for the preacher to preach and maybe something will happen? So I started giving him scriptures. Acts 3.16, faith in the names made you whole, perfect soundness. And I, I love that scripture because that's a good start for me. So we, I ministered to him for 15, 20 minutes and then moved on. So then I'm still working out, whatever, and um, I ask our friend Brandon, uh, one of the Brandons, for a spot. Uh, tattoo Brandon, it's always got a cutoff t-shirt. So I asked him if he'd like to join me. He said, no, my shoulder's hurt. I busted it in football. I can't lift more than whatever X amount of pounds. I, says, I said, so we talked a little bit more, and I said, you know, I'd love to pray for your shoulder. He said, sure. He says, it hurts. It's hurting right now. He said, as, even as I'm doing shoulders today. So I said, I said, let's, so I laid hands on it. He bowed his head because he's, I found out later he's a Baptist or he went to a Baptist church. Prayed Acts 3.16. I'm putting what? A demand. Jesus says, whatever you demand in my name. What he's saying is put a demand on the name of Jesus, not on my own power or my own godliness has made this man whole, but it is by the name has made this man perfect, made this man whole and he stands with perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I've read this scripture a few times. I still look at it because I love that scripture. That it's not by your own power that you're making the person whole, but it is by the name of Jesus. You are putting a demand on the name, what God did with the name, the legal name of Jesus is why people get healed through the name. Prayed for Brandon. He was like, thank you. I said, man, I feel charged up. I said, give him the 80 pound dumbbells, let's go. So we lift some weight, put the weight down, talked, I invited him to the church. Talked to him a little bit. I said, Zach goes with me. He goes, oh, I know Zach. You know, so he said, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I'll think about it. You know, so amen. That's two people, not even in an hour. I'm not even trying. I'm just walking through talking. Yesterday, I was on the phone with Matt, and then my, my sales rep that does uh, Sam Ash, talk, just talking about the goodness of God, the blessings of God, because he left his company 20, 30 minutes just feeding him the word. Why? Because I feed the word to myself. Whatever I'm pumping myself full of, so I actually shared with him, Luke chapter 5, and he ju I got him born again a few years ago. He's a baby Christian. He's not in church, but I got to minister. That's two people in one day. The day before that, I was in the car with Sean. Then I was at Cody's house, and we were listening to Mark Hankins and talking about the Word of God. We're walking Cody's dog. I was in the gym with Sean. I said, hey, I need a ride to church. Can you give me a ride? 30 minutes or 20 minutes from the gym up here, he wants to talk about the book of Revelation and the rapture of the church. We're just talking. And why? This is just my time with God of spending. I'm pouring out. This is every single day of my life. I actually started writing it down because I didn't realize how much it was happening. The day before, Sunday, I ran into Cole. He used to go to this church. He grew up here, him and his uh, mom. And he's like, uh, yeah, I've just really been struggling. I want to come back to church. I'm just trying. I I'm just busy. I said, Cole, your eternity, are you going to be busy when you stand before Jesus and you have to give an account? I said, God is your source. He is your life. You are not doing anything out, but that's why. I study this stuff. I'm in the word. I said, it ain't gonna matter that how busy you are because when life starts hitting you hard, 
it's going to be God and all that busyness is even going to matter. And I said that Jesus says, don't forsake the assemblies, but there is, when you gather, I said, there's strength, there's the anointing, there's the presence of God, there is gifts that come in, and God's giving you a word that Sunday morning. You need that touch from God that day. I said, You're, don't, don't be a lone ranger out there. That's not going to get you far in life. So he's like, all right, he goes, I know, I know I need to be there. I just, I had a fight, and I'm doing this, I'm doing UFC, it's all about, you know, my fight and my career. I said, listen, without God, you, you one broken bone and you're done. You need Jesus. That is who made you. That is who created you. So that was Sunday right after church. Just I ran into Cole, just happened to run into him. I'm like, Lord, I'm happening to run into a lot of people the more that I pray in the spirit. Why? Doing the works of Jesus. I want to create disciples. Right before that, a few days, it was uh, my buddy Ryan McKell showed up. And my renter, Mikel, he um, stayed in Friday night. We moved, and I talked to him about an hour sitting in the house after we moved. About He'd gotten born again just a month, a month or two ago. I talked to him about the will of God, the plan of God, and what God's going to do in him. And I said, it's amazing you're here staying in my house. I said, God's doing something in you, right? There's just no way you're end up staying. You know, I'm renting my place out for a friend. I said, but there's, that's only God that does that. And I said, he's taking you somewhere. And I said, you need to follow him. And so then he started coming to church, and Ryan's coming to church. And I'm thinking, man, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? But me, I'm praying in the Spirit. I pray a lot. I'm in the Word. Why? Because the person that you need to save may not be saved if you're not ready, if you hadn't prepared yourself a year or two years from now. What you're doing today is preparing God to bring somebody who needs help. And if you're not preparing, if you've just kind of been, you know, you're reading maybe your one promise scripture and heading to work, that's not going to be enough to help certain people. And I love something Pastor Mark told me. He said, you don't have five years. There's people depending on you. There's people that are going to go to hell if you don't do what the Lord told you to do. If you don't get serious with the gospel, if you don't get serious with Jesus and his word. Because I want to be ready because tomorrow I might need to give a word to somebody who may need it. I might need to know some scriptures. I might need to be pumped up and ready with the word of God because it might be someone's life in a week. It might be someone's life in one year from now. I believe that as I've studied to show myself, approve, and continue in the word of God, I just like to read. And I, I've created a habit. It's just a habit. I don't think that I'm anything special. It's just that it started a long time ago when dad, we went off to Bible school, and I just started reading. They made me read. I hated reading, and I couldn't focus. And Everybody's got ADHD until somebody says you're going to fail, and I'm sending you back home. And you're all of a sudden, you're reading. So that's, to me, it's, that's a lot of an excuse, and a lot of people just can't focus because they're undisciplined nowadays. But, when I, but now I have a habit of every morning, and once you do that habit, it's kind of very hard to break that habit because you think about it every morning. It's coffee, it's books, and Bible, at least for an hour. And if I don't get it, man, I just, all day long, I didn't get my time with God. But it, it didn't happen overnight. It actually took me a, a little bit of time to kind of change gears and to get into that to where I'm thinking, okay, I need to know my, because every time I turn around, I was talking to people, and I didn't know what to say. And I'm just, well, let me just pray with you. Let me just, uh, you know, Jesus loves you and are you saved? And, but then there was more than that. There's more that people wanted to know. And I thought, okay, I need to study. I kept getting hit with questions. And um, I'm like, okay, there's probably people that are going to be depending on me in six months from now. And you obeying God. And I believe, which is crazy, if I hadn't stepped out in faith, believing God for a new truck, and taking that jump of faith, and I got it from Pastor Mark, and he obeyed God, and he gave it to me for a very cheap price. Well, that's how I met Ryan, who was here on Sunday. 
And Ryan got born again. And then through Ryan, I got all of Ryan's um, IT department born again, except for there's a couple new people now. And then Mikel started coming to church. All because of just we're obeying God, we're following the Holy Spirit, I'm learning the word of God, and I'm ready. And so I told somebody, I said, man, if I hadn't have even stepped out in faith and bought a new truck, these people wouldn't even be born again. Like, imagine if that's really in the plan of God for me to do that. I mean, imagine if the Lord told you, you need to get a new car because it's probably going to get somebody saved. Because what happened when I got the truck, it wasn't working, and the Lord kept telling me, call Ryan. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to that kid. That was my best friend's brother growing up. He has a Ford mechanic shop. He burns people's tires out and supercharges them and races them. He's probably going to take my truck and race it as soon as I give it to him. But it wasn't any of it wasn't true. I went and saw him, and then he was like, yeah, I remember you. I remember you always talking about God. I remember you coming over to my brother's house and hanging out. And next thing you know, this started building a relationship for him to receive Jesus. But what? I'm ready. I'm ready to make a disciple. I don't know everything in the Bible, but you have to start somewhere, right? I want to read something real fast because we're about to close somewhat. It's first closing of many, as pastor says. But are you enjoying this? I want to read something about the anointing, about God, about pouring, God pouring it out on you to use you. I believe the moment the Lord touches you, then you have an obligation to touch the lives of others. There are lots of people who want some more anointing, but it would really be a waste because they wouldn't even use it. It would be like living in a house with plenty of voltage coming in, but, there's, but no one ever switches on the light, yet they still want more electricity brought into the house. Why would you need more if you're never going to use it? The power is there, so you can use it. But that does not mean you're so full of power all the time. If you have a fast race car with 500 horsepower, you don't need all that power going through a school zone. Amen. He says that if God, the anointing is for a purpose, just as finances are for a purpose. If God anoints you, then you have an obligation to take that anointing to a lost and dying world. You have no excuses because there are no excuses. You can wait for all the conditions to be favorable, but there will never be a favorable moment. You are going to have to give it away. No matter the circumstances you find yourself in, abundance or lack, comfort or discomfort, you have to give it away because the way it flows is by impartation. If you want more, then give away what you have. So he talks about... The, um, the woman with the alabaster box in the book. And he says that she broke the box and poured it on the feet of Jesus. And he says that if you want more of God and the anointing and the manifested presence, you will have to take the little that he gives you and begins with you. And you're going to have to break it and give it away. Empty yourself. Elijah with the woman, it's every time that they had a pot, the oil kept flowing. But as soon as they, the pot's, stopped, then the oil stops. So if you're a pot, you're getting filled up at church with the word of God, with the presence of God, and if you go out and you stop pouring into people, the anointing's going to quit. Why? Because you're not doing anything with it. So why is God going to keep giving you more? You're not even breaking. The alabaster box was all, that was the biggest, best thing that woman had. She gave it away. And he made a statement in the book. He says, when you start pouring out to people, God's not only going to refill you, but he's going to give you more. And then you're going to pour out to greater degrees. And then he's going he's gonna to give you another alabaster box where he's going to fill your pot even more. And you're going to keep pouring out. And that's, he says, how you grow in the anointing. But if you're not even using what you have now with people and loving on people and going out and sharing the good news with people and just praying for people. Listen, it's, sometimes it's scary. But guess what? What do we have to lose? I don't really even care anymore. 
Everything else is being said on the news and people want to talk about it. And I, most people are very receptive to prayer. And um, I want to see God work in my generation. He's, my generation is going to be lost if, if I'm not pouring into myself the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 6, and so I can pour out into other people. Why? Because life is ultimately about people. When we get to heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be about people. And yes, our jobs are tools to do here now, but really what's touching people is the anointing. It's the touch of God. When God touches you, he tells a story where um, in the book where his um, daughter had, you know, got up all on his face and was hugging and kissing him, and then she went and hugged his wife. And she said, oh, I know you've been with daddy because I can smell his cologne all over you. He said, wouldn't it be nice to get out of the presence of Jesus and people say, I know they've been with God because I can feel the presence of God all over that person. And so to me, that's where I want to see me, even myself, I want to see greater works that, like what Jesus was talking about to be done. I want to see my generation because I'm talking to people and I think it's great. I'm seeing increase. We're at the school every Friday. Every Friday, Megan and I have had, um, I started with Barbara and a few of the ladies, Miss Rosa, and they had started pushing to get into the schools. And we started, and because of just some training that I have had with some evangelism, the first day we got, what, 20, 15, 20 kids born again. Next week, we got 10 kids born again. Next week, we got 10 kids born again. We've been there like four weeks now. Now we're not doing them, they're not, we're, okay, we're tired of the salvation thing. Let's do the salvation, but now all the kids are praying. You're going to pray. You're going to learn to witness. You're going to go out and do the work. I don't want to be there every Friday. I don't want to come to your house and get all your friends saved. You go to and get them saved. So to the degree that you're filling yourself up, to the degree that you're meditating on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's to the degree you'll do the works because that'll be so much in you. Now I'm walking around and expecting the anointing to move. I'm expecting uh, the boat to be filled up with people's lives when they come to me. And I'm, I think I've, we're, we're starting to see that because I'm seeing little things break here and there, but you have to start somewhere with that. And the more that you're pouring out into people's lives, the more that you're, let me just talk to somebody, or just be ready. I don't really do a whole lot of going out and looking for people. It's, was Jesus going out on a mass campaign door to door, knocking on people's door? No, the multitudes were thronging him, chasing him down, hearing that he's healing people. And all he did was just come out of the wilderness with the spirit and with power, and his fame went about all the land. And so I believe is that the things that Jesus, number one, that he did was Jesus pulled away many times and spent time in prayer. With the disciples, he just used what they had. They had a boat. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your possession? And God will multiply that. He'll start to use that. He doesn't need you to, well, until I get here. No, he'll, Peter's got a boat. Let's jump in it. Let's use it. Let's and then the harvest can come in with what you have. And I believe that many times we're thinking, oh, Jesus is so amazing. He's so great. No, Jesus wants you to go heal people. He said, you go heal the sick. You cleanse the leopards. You raise the dead. So if he told you, you can do that. Why is that? I told this, my buddy Jacob today, I said, why is it so hard for you to be healed if he already saved you? He already gave you his best gift. Jesus died for you on a cross. He was, was um, stripped of all authority and power. He was whipped. They ripped the flesh off of Jesus. And not only that, that he died physically, but Jesus died spiritually, which was harder. What is a sickness and a disease to God with you? 
Jesus was, didn't want to die. He was crying sweats of blood because he didn't want to become the sacrifice and take on what? Every sin of mankind of the, for the entire world forever. What is your small sickness to God? He goes, I never even thought of it. I said, it's because where you're at, they're probably not teaching you that. But I've made it my goal to fill myself on this so everywhere I go, and I'm telling you, the more I'm praying the Spirit and just meditating, I'll be at the gym and it just comes out of my mouth. And I'm, it's, most people are very receptive towards it. A few times people are going to be like, no, nah, I'm good, appreciate it. Well, guess what? I have the best gift, and I'm like a salesperson. If you don't want it, I'm going to find somebody who wants it because what I have is absolutely amazing. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your week. It's going to change people around you. You should want what I have. I'm not trying to sell people a broke-down, busted version of Jesus. No, I tell people at the gym, you want, you want to pray this prayer. It is going to change your life. You're not even going to be the same when you wake up tomorrow. I mean, I'm like selling the gospel. Why? Because that's what freely you give, freely you receive, freely give. If I love Jesus so much and he's, I'm in love with him, why shouldn't I tell people that? I have no bones. I have no, nothing to hide from people anymore. I really don't care anymore because I want to see an end time harvest of souls come in. I want to see lives change. It ha- somebody did it for me. My dad, Pastor Mark, people sowed into my life. So now my job is to take the anointing and to touch people with it. And guess what? The persecutions are going to come. Things are going to happen. The world is turning upside down right now. This is the best time. I believe it's easier now than ever before to get people born again, saved. And, and, and think about people that you can disciple. And just, Lord, lead people across my path. Lord, today at the gym, bring people who are ready to hear. I'm ready to, to, who's ready that I can witness to that it's going to receive from me. I don't know everything. I'm not like Pastor Mark, but I, I have a few scriptures under my belt. And half the time I can't remember where they're at, but I can kind of paraphrase them, you know, for the most part. And it's working. I'm seeing fruit of it. I'm seeing every day at least two people I'm talking to a day, either ministering to, people getting born again. But I believe it's because my goals have shifted to that. And I'm moving in that direction. It's not just, I'm not, I'm here this is your boot camp tonight. You're in boot camp. If you're here just to hear another good message in your ears tickled, you're in the wrong place. We are handing you equipment. We are passing out bombs and grenades. And like Pastor Mark says, I am giving you ammunition. Why? Because when you wake up tomorrow, you're back in the battlefield. You're rescuing soldiers. You're dealing with the devil, taking authority over the devil. And so that's the purpose is that Jesus was not, he had three years to do what he had to do. He was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about people, and he loved people, and he laid his life down for people. And I believe that if we're going to be like Jesus, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Our days should be going, you know what? I work a job, but Lord, I'm ready. Who's coming across my path today? I'm going to bless somebody. I'm going to be somebody's blessing. I don't care if it's $25. I don't care if it's $50 or it's 5 bucks. If I can help somebody, if I can pray with somebody, get an agreement for their healing, if I can tell somebody that Jesus loves them, just be ready. And to be ready is just to meditate on the word. I can tell you what my dad's going to say because I'm around him all the time. I tell you probably how he thinks because I'm with him a lot. But I can tell you what God thinks and what he's going to say because I spend a lot of time reading. And it doesn't take long. It's not like you have to, you have to like take a, I think Christians in America think they got to take a seven-day vacation, block all their calls, get coffee and hoard the house full of food and bunker down and open their Bible to read it. You know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't have to be like that. I squeeze a Bible time in as much as I'll be in the gym in between sets on my phone instead of scrolling through Instagram, reading a few scriptures, sit down, pump, 
Read if people think I'm on Instagram. I'm reading a little bit of Bible. I'm on, I got it, Mark Hankins in my ear. I'm trying to overdose. Why? Because I want to live out of my overflow. I got one life to live and I'm already 33. I'm not trying to get to heaven with what I've done now. I'm trying to, I take breaks, but I'm also pushing. Why? Because I want to seek greater. Why is it that me and Pastor Mark looked at me one day and says, y'all, when I was 30, he said, you're the exact age that Jesus started his ministry. He said, you should be doing the works of Jesus right now. I thought, well, I probably am, but not to the degree Jesus was doing it. So I got a lot of stepping up. But I want to, this is to motivate us to go higher, to reach for more. Open up Luke 4, Luke 5, Luke 6, then read it again. Read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wake up tomorrow. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick, to, to cure the blind, to raise the dead. Everywhere I go, people are going to get touched by the hand of God today. Just That's your daily confession. Get up. Jesus is touching people everywhere I go in Jesus' name. The anointing is following me around. And take, take these scriptures until they just you read them so much, it's just you're dreaming about them. So, Father, we thank you tonight for the anointing. We thank you from a touch from you. We thank you that as we study the word, as we eat the bread of life, as we drink from Jesus, as we meditate on the word that's living and active, Father, I pray that you would increase the anointing after it's preached on every person in this room tonight. I pray you would lead people across their path tomorrow that are ready to have an encouraging word, to hear about Jesus, that need prayer. I pray that like the multitudes would start coming to every person in this room in Jesus' name to hear about the goodness of God, to hear about the mercy of God, to hear about our covenant with God, to hear about salvation and the power of the gospel of Jesus. I pray every person, Father, you would use them to create disciples. Jesus was always creating disciples, Father. Turning himself, a disciple, is to take the master and put it into them. And that's what you said, go into the world and create disciples. And that's what we're doing in this church, Father. I thank you that you're increasing the anointing, that you're giving it out freely, and it's increasing, and we're going to hear testimonies in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.